I'm hard-pressed to think of a family that I know who has never had a pet. It's just very rare, at least here in the U.S. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Scott Ski. Scott operated an animal rescue for 20 years. In that time, he saved hundreds and hundreds of dogs and cats from death. At one point, he had 16 dogs in his backyard and 6 more cats in the house. The whole interview breaks down to this. Adopting an animal and bringing them into your home and into your life is just like gaining a new member of the family. They might have more legs and more fur or feathers, but 95% of pet owners agree in saying that their pets are members of their families. By the way, try not to cry at the end of the interview. If you can avoid tears, you'll have done better than both me and my guest. Let's find out if we are good forever, homes. Get it? Welcome to the show, Scott Ski. Well, thank you. Thank you, Colton, very much. It's great to be here chatting with you today. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the audience? Sure. My name is Scott Ski. Uh, I uh, operated a an animal rescue for 20 years. I literally saved hundreds and hundreds of dogs and cats from death in shelters and found them good and loving homes. And um, after I kind of got out of the rescue business, I sat down, wrote a book, which is over my shoulder here, Dogged and Determined, which is an anthology of the misadventures I had with the animals and the life lessons that they taught me and how they outsmarted me much of the time, too. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what got you into working with animals? Longtime partner. Um, she and I have been together for 45 years, and she always enjoyed pets, always had pets. And for whatever reason, we decided that we would find a dog in a shelter and find it a good home. It was just a, a one-off sort of thing. And the dog that we found turned out to be the Husky from hell and just made life absolutely miserable for us, which in turn, we thought, well, let's let's get one more or just one more or just one more. And at, at its peak, we had 13 dogs in our backyard and six cats in the house. And, and it was just a zoo here. And um, eventually, like I said, we we found them all good and loving homes, uh, except for the first dog. Taz was his name. He eventually became my dog because I, I just couldn't. I couldn't see adopting him out to somebody else and uh, having them deal with his machinations all the time. So, yeah. So you, you saved the Husky from hell and he became your, your lifelong partner there. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and he, he really did. He was a great dog in terms of always challenging me and keeping me on, on my toes. And, um, yeah, it was a, a great loss when he finally passed on. So, but that was uh, 
what 16 years he lasted so yeah well, that's a good long life for a siberian yes it is yeah so you know you started writing this anthology as you said and all these animals you know outsmarting you and kind of just just sharing all of this is that to bring people in like well yeah. originally see uh, there was a uh, an online group of husky owners all around the world there were 10,000 husky owners and they would write back and forth and you know kind of an early facebook sort of thing and they enjoyed each other's company and sharing pictures and so on and so forth and out of sheer and utter frustration i wrote about taz just said this is insane what is you know what do i do with this dog and whatever and after posting about three or four of these incidents not only did they not help they delighted in the stories oh tell us more these are so fun so on and so forth and I ended up writing the Taz stories for six years, literally hundreds of stories about Taz and the cats and the other dogs. And, and like I said, I, eventually I boiled it down to 78 stories that I accumulated in, in this book. And um, I've never made any money off the book. It all the profits go towards animal re animal rescue organizations that I have dealt with and worked with over the years. So it's a it's a labor of love all the way around. Uh, well, labor of frustration and love, but uh, it has it has done well. And it's one of those kinds of books where you can if you have a dog or a cat, you can open this book anywhere and just start reading. And you'll suddenly sit back and say to yourself, wow, that sounds like my little Arfie or my little Meow Meow. Uh, my goodness, there's a, there's a touch point in all of these stories and a, a little philosophical ending on each one that leaves you with a, a thoughtful message about you and your pet and, and life in general. So, I think that's great. When you're talking to people and you're like, look at all these things that animals can bring into your life, do you generally see people, and I know this is going to be divisive, do you generally see people with more benefit from dogs or cats? Oh, that is, no, it, it just depends on the person okay. who, who comes. Um, usually a person uh, on the dog side they will come and they will say, yeah, I want one of those dogs. Uh, Siberian Husky is so dynamic and, and handsome looking and I have to have that. And I'd say about 60% of the time, I would say, you don't want one of these dogs. You don't have a home that is uh, appropriate for these kinds of dogs. You don't have the personality or the time or the inclination to stick with this and to train and work with a dog like this this dog is going to turn your home into a gazebo very quickly and just destroy everything in sight. You don't need one of these. Go and get yourself, you know, a, a French poodle or a, a, you know, a little Sheltie or something like that, a dog that'll love and adore you and listen to your every word. You don't want a Husky because they are independently minded. And so much of what I would do would be educating up front, you know, these are dogs that were bred to survive in the harshest environment on the planet. 
they think for themselves. You can run them down to the river and say cross, and they're going to look at you and say, no, the ice is too thin. There's a bear around the next corner, you know, and, and they will turn around and go in the other direction because they know the environment better than you do. And in our suburban environment here, um, they take advantage of you every step of the way. So, yes, I'd say a, a great many people don't know the kind of dogs that they really want. They're just taken with the look of them. Now, older uh, older uh, women especially, they're going to go for the cats because cats are just, they curl up in your lap and they'll sit there all day. They're happy. They're friendly. Yeah, you keep them fed and scoop their cat boxes, give them water. And, and a lot of affection, and they are your friend for life, pretty much so. So cats were fairly easy to to place simply because older women looked at the personality rather than the look of the cat. They just, well, they wanted a companion more than they wanted something that looked handsome or cute. So anyway, I'm sorry, long answer. Yeah, no, I can see that. And it kind of brings around this like, how do people know what the right pick is for them? They really don't. Uh, they don't take the time to, I, I would say 80% of the people out there who decide that they want to get a pet, they don't take the time to read up on the personalities of dogs or cats to find out exactly what their life and lifestyle is and how that animal is going to fit into it. And they have to consider that, their life and lifestyle is going to change dramatically because of that animal coming into their lives. You suddenly have responsibilities. But if you look at it on a positive, it's really great. You know, wow, I'm going to get a lot more exercise because I have to take the dog out for a walk. You know, I'm going to eat better because I have to think about what I'm feeding the dog. And therefore, I'll think a little more about what I'm eating. No, I can't feed chocolate to the dogs. I better not keep chocolate around much. Yeah, that sort of thing. You will think about things such as, well, I'm going to go to the store. Can I take the dog with me? Dog would love to ride in the car, you know, that sort of thing. And especially now with the holidays coming up, uh, you really have to consider how to make your pet part of your um, celebration because two thirds of all American families own cats and dogs and 95% of those families consider their pets to be family. A hundred percent of people buy their pet a gift at Christmas. So you want to make sure that the pet is part of your celebration, part of your family gatherings and such, but you need to take steps in advance about the Christmas ornaments, the Christmas trees, the, the uh, food that you're eating because all of those things are dangerous to your pets and you have to safeguard the house in order to safeguard your pet and keep everybody happy. And I'm sure there's some kind of, you know, additional stress with all of the holidays, whether it's extra people in the house that they're not used to or all the extra noise from some of our very noisy holidays. Very much so. Uh, oh, of course, 4th of July, you know, um, 
we give our animals uh, bits of Benadryl and such to kind of calm them down and such. Um, we'll, you know, with the dogs, we'll take them out to the dog park and let them run for an hour or so they're tired. And we, you know, give them a little Benadryl and we sit with them and we watch, you know, old movies or whatever and just keep them calm. We don't go out and celebrate like everybody else would do simply because our priorities are pets, family. Of course. So, you know, when people are thinking about, as you said, it kind of comes up a lot more with dog breeds, but when people are thinking about breeds of animals and they're like, oh, these ones are, are so pretty or they're so, you know, whatever it is, what are kind of the, the troubled ones where you're like, oh boy, if you're getting into this, like be ready for an entire world shift because these are the difficult ones. Uh, well, one of the reasons we selected Siberian Huskies is that they are such a dynamic-looking dog. People are are just taken with the image, you know, Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and Call of the Wild and all that, and they don't understand the nature of the beast. And so we would spend most of our time educating people who would come to us or writing writing blogs or pieces about owning a dog of this nature, be it Malamute or Husky or Klikai or any of those similar types of breeds and um, working with that. Uh, other uh, really difficult breeds of dogs, you know, Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas are, are just, they're like little little toys that you wind up and they never the spring never never uh runs out they are always active always in the middle of everything and they because they are so hyper they tend to do things like bite people bite children you know that sort of thing uh get into things that they're not supposed to chase cats around that sort of thing so uh chihuahuas are a very difficult breed to work with um uh, of course, if, if you're a macho guy, you have to have a, a bulldog or a pit bull or something. And those those are dogs that were bred for guard duty, for being not, I wouldn't say violent, but a, having a very quick response to a situation. And therefore, they uh, are highly trained and they are highly active and they will take you down quickly if you don't know what you're doing with them. So um, those are three breeds right there. You With the internet, you can go online and look up anything and everything. Yeah. On the, on the counter side of it, yeah, a, a Sheltie, you know, a little miniature Collie. Those are great little dogs. Um, poodles are actually, you know, aside from the fact that people shave their fur into weird kind of <laughs> configurations, poodle, standard poodle, it's a great dog. Um, very, very uh, obedient and um, protective of children and such. Uh, yes, there are, are a, a good many positive dogs and even the negative dogs. A pit bull can be a very good dog, but you have to constantly train it and work with it. Otherwise, it reverts back to being feral like a cat would. So, When it makes me think, people go out and they stop by a shelter or wherever it is they're going, even just a private breeder, which is great. 
you know, I'm glad people are adopting their animals, but they're like, oh, I'm just going to go pick one up and then bring it home and there will be no problems. Like my house works for me, so it's perfectly <laughs> suited for this animal. Yeah, that doesn't. No, no, no. Uh, we often tell people don't go to a shelter, research the type of dog you're looking for and go to a rescue organization like the one that I had, uh, because I would take dogs out of the shelter. I'd work with them every day for at least a couple of weeks to a month before ever putting them online or offering them out for adoption. And that way I can ascertain the type of personality they have, how they would act or react in a certain situation with a family or small children or, or other pets in the house and such. And so when people come to talk with a person like myself or a rescue organization, they're probably not going to go home with the dog that they thought they would have or the cat they thought they would have because we will match them up to a an animal that is more fitting to their home, their lifestyle, uh, their family than what they originally thought they might want. And over 20 years, I and hundreds and hundreds of animals, I think I've had less than a handful ever come back. And usually it was some unseen situation that I could not have predicted. And even though I've been out of rescue, by the way, for um, a, a number of years now, I just had a dog come back to me, the owner, two hours before she died. She was on her deathbed. And the last thing that she asked her handlers was, please call Scott, see if he'll take the dog back. I adopted the dog to her 10 years ago. But you know what? I, I'm still committed to the animals that I adopted out. And yes, I gladly took the dog back. Uh, the dog is with us here now. And um I will keep the dog until it, you know, until I either find it another home, because some people do like senior dogs, or uh, it lives out its life with us. That's the commitment that I make to a fellow creature. And that's fantastic, because a lot of people would be like, you know, they don't think, wow, I'm dying, and my pet's here. You know who I need to reach out to? The guy <laughs> who put me in touch with the dog. Yeah, so that's a ringing uh, I, endorsement for you. Well, yeah, I, you know, and uh, we we kept the files of every do every dog and cat we adopted out, and uh, we still get some Christmas cards with family pictures with the dog and such. And it's, it, it is very rewarding that way that we place these animals very well, and the animals are so pleased and pleasing to their families that they have. So, um, yep. It, it uh, like I said, never made any money off of it, but it's a commitment made to a fellow creature and to families who really want to find that four-legged friend that they will keep for life. So uh, once again, yes, don't go to a shelter. Find a research the dog that you think you might like. Find a rescue that has been working with that breed and has some good examples of the breed that they have pulled from the shelter and are ready to adopt out. That's great. And those are good tips. Do you have any tips that are kind of universal where it's like, hey, you're going to be bringing a dog or cat home? Make sure these things are done in your house. Make sure the doors are locked. You don't want the dog or cat sneaking out 
you know, and um, getting killed or, or, you know, maimed or anything of that nature. Number one. Number two, uh, when you bring home a new pet, uh, make sure that you introduce them individually to all of the other pets you have or your family members. Take them around to your neighbors. Make sure the dog or the cat is introduced to everybody and familiarized with everybody because this is a whole strange new situation. And we as people love to stick our faces in, you know, in the face of the dog and go, oh, aren't you a good doggy? You know, and the dog is uh, reacts negatively. That's not good. You want to ensure that the dog will or cat will always be calm and collected and friendly towards anyone and everyone, uh, except maybe a burglar. But, uh, you know, you could work with that, too, you know. Uh, number two, make sure that the dog or cat knows where it's supposed to do its business. You know, you take the dog, you set your timer, you take the dog out regularly and say, here, this is the place where you go, you know, and you wait calmly and peacefully with the dog and use the same language take care of things do your thing to you know go here that sort of thing uh with a cat it's pretty simple you get a cat box you set it somewhere they find it they use it they're pretty good with that um dogs cats will know their name they will know the sound of a can opening for a cat food or whatever uh, they know the sound of the the rattle of dry food, that sort of thing. Otherwise, they kind of ignore you unless they want your attention. Dogs, on the other hand, are amazing in terms of their learned vocabulary. Uh, Taz, my my first husky, he had a vocabulary of about 130 words. And the dogs we have now, we have four, um, and they're all huskies. And I have to spell words out. I have to say, um, I need to take an R-I-D-E and the C-A-R to go to the S-T-O-R-E. And my partner shall say, well, did you want to stop by the D-O-G-P-A-R-K with one of them? I can't say the word leash. I can't say the word collar, you know, things of that nature. They know words, and and they've even gotten to the point where I can spell P-A-R-K, and they know that that means park. So they are extraordinarily intelligent creatures, and um, you need to give them the respect that they deserve for taking the time to learn these things. Um you know, uh, once again, when you get your dog home, start with basic commands, sit, stay, you know, come when you're called the first time. If they don't come the first time, you go and get them and bring them to you and make them sit. You don't let them think about it. You get because if they are somehow crossing the street and there's a bus coming and you say, come now. They need to come now or it could be disastrous. There are all kinds of situations where a well-trained animal of any kind who comes as soon as they hear their name the first time, it, it can be a lifesaver. Of course. And it's one of those where like 
some of these are built in, right? Like if you were adopting an older dog, they have probably learned quite a lot of this. Whereas if you're adopting a puppy, assume they know absolutely nothing and you've got your work cut out for you. Yeah. Uh, we rarely uh, recommend adopting a puppy because yes, a puppy is way too much work and most people are not patient enough to deal with that. Um, we would say look for a dog that's at least a year and a half to two years old because they are old enough. They've settled in. They understand the the parameters of being owned by someone and uh, they will be more, much more companionable. So, yes. Yeah. Also, yes, um, places to sleep. Yes, we allow them to sleep on the bed. And uh, sometimes, yes, they take over the whole bed. Four huskies can fill up a bed. <laughs> so I, I lose a lot of sleep and contortioning around the uh, animals. But you know what? In the wintertime, if it gets cold, they're very, very warm animals. And uh, uh, they can be affectionate. So Yeah, you got portable space heaters. <laughs> Ab oh, absolutely, yeah. And is there something to be said about adopting an even older dog than that where you're like it's a dog that's maybe in its back half of its life where you're like you know there's something about an older dog that also has a warm place for certain people yes um granted you won't have them for as long a period of time um this one that we just got is over 10 years old uh he may last maybe another couple years but that's okay um He's a good companion, and we're happy to have him, and we're happy to adopt him out. People just need to understand that the lifespan is going to be a little shorter. But then again, you can you can love the animal for the time that it has left and come back and uh, find another senior dog to enjoy and love for the you know, time being. Um, damaged animals. Now, here's another interesting um the dog in the the picture behind me on the book cover um his name is mongoose he was thrown out of a moving car as a five-month-old puppy and had shattered his front leg and the uh, shelter called us and they said uh, and this was thanksgiving eve when this happened and they called us up and they said uh we don't have a vet here uh we close in an hour uh, we're going to have to put him down if you can't get here to get him. So I got in the car and roared on out there and picked him up. And he spent, uh, he had a splint on, on the one leg and he spent the night in my lap. And much of the next day too, with most all of the family members. And um, he's now, what is he? He's 14 years old and he's still around. He would have been put down at five months old because of the, uh, the shattered leg. Yes. He walks with the limp. Yes. We still have him because we knew that arthritis and other things would come into his life early on. And he could be a, a, a real problem uh, for another owner. So we decided we would keep him and we would not adopt him out because we couldn't see burdening somebody else with that. Uh, before him, we had a dog named Trace, as in Uno Dos Trace. 
He was a three-legged husky. He had been hit by a car and been running around the city of Pomona, California, for two weeks with his leg hanging off before the uh, the uh, shelter people could finally, you know, gather him up and bring him in. And we, they said, we can take the leg off if you want to adopt him. Well, he became our our pet. We had him for 12 years, and uh, he was a tremendous dog, even with three legs. And yes, uh, dogs that have imperfections, dogs that have been injured, um, they're just as good as any other dog. It just depends on if you are willing uh, to take on the additional responsibility of helping that dog be successful or cat. Of course, it's kind of one of these that's like, you know, you're bringing this animal into your life and the things that you give each other are going to be extremely rewarding. And you're going to, I mean, just really like bring each other up to a new level. Oh, and everywhere we went with Trey, yes, people would stop and they say, oh, that dog only has one leg. Well, actually, no, he's got three legs. He's missing one. Yeah. Uh, everybody wanted to come over and pet the three-legged dog because they felt sorry for him. But when they realized that he was just fine and he was a happy dog, they warmed up to him immediately beyond the sympathy factor and uh, started thinking about, wow, how many dogs out there are like that? How many dogs get put down because they were damaged or injured or or have some sort of defect? Oh, my goodness. You know, and um, I think that a, a, a number of families ended up adopting dogs that were needy because it gave them a fulfillment in their life beyond just having a pet. Yeah, and I'm sure Trace enjoyed all of the extra attention as well. Oh, he did. He absolutely did. And yes, he is in a little bronze container now. He's he we had him cremated. He's in a bronze container. And when my partner Robbie passes away, uh, I have to go in to a certain spot up near Santa Barbara and mingle their ashes. So yeah, first. Yeah, do you think I'm not invited along, but the dog is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, somebody's gotta somebody's gotta expedite the, the journey for Absolutely, them. yeah. So do you think having you know animals around like this helps us stay present and grounded in the moment because you know they do have shorter lifespans than us, and so we kind of tend to take that in more than we do perhaps our elongated life. I believe that, yes, you know, uh, don't know if you're a parent, but, you know, uh, people out there who are parents, you know, your children grow up to hate you. Your dogs and cats will always love you. So, yes, in the long run, uh, you know, your your pets will be the, the ones that you will remember much longer and over uh, over the years after, even after they're gone. Uh, your children, yeah, they they may come back around and and be okay, but for the most part, um, people will find that their pets are always going to love them, and they will always love their pets, which is more than we can say for our human kiddos. So, yeah, 
and I guess that kind of, you know, it brings us to, you know, this hard point where we're like, our lifespans are much longer than most of our pets. And that's very unfortunate for us. I think they probably prefer it that way. I don't know if they, they'd love, you know, hanging out without us, but that's something that's very hard to, to deal with for most of us, you know, where we're like, it you is. know, yeah. you're like, I, I love my animal just like family and, you know, being without them hurts just as much. The greatest gift I think that you can give to your pet is when they are passing away, hearing you call their name as they pass. Yeah. Yeah. I think just being there, you know, a lot of people, I feel like I've heard this far too many times where they're like, it's too painful and I can't be there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I think you have to be. You have to be there because they have dedicated their lives to focusing on you. You need to be there for them at the end. And yes, like I said, holding them and having them hear and see you calling their name, talking to them at the very end is probably the greatest gift you can ever give your pet. And I think that's something you had to leave people on, but I'd love to give you some time to kind of, you know, tell people where to find this book and where to find you if they're looking to reach out or, or learn more. Okay. Do you want me to, I mean, it's available on Amazon and, you know, you name it, you can order it from any bookstore, but it's available just about everywhere. And um, once again, Every purchase you make of the book, I think, number one, you'll enjoy it immensely. And number two, the the money goes towards animal rescue. So you're helping to save another life. Absolutely. And if people pick that up, leave a good review for it because that helps other people find it. And the more people that are finding this book, you know, the more money that is going back into animal rescue. And if your animals are something that's important to you and you're enjoying this book, like that's an amazing thing to be able to pay forward. Absolutely. And yes, right now I've got four huskies and four cats. <laughs> That's way too many for the city, but you know what? They're all rescue animals and they all are greatly appreciative of the fact that they are still alive and, and loved and appreciated. And so your audience out there, take the time now, hug your pet. Tell them how much you love and appreciate them and give them a treat for from Colton and myself. That's right. Well, thank you again, Scott, for being on the show. I've appreciated it immensely. Thank you, Colton. You take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. You can do your part to help this show grow through word of mouth by telling others that this podcast exists. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. To reach out to me, email dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or send a message to any of the show pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. The November ranking updates are as follows. Number one, the United States with California and Pennsylvania, now as the top states. Number two, the United Kingdom. 
Number three, Australia, with the Northern Territory coming out of nowhere to take the top spot. Number four, Sweden, getting back on the board and led there by Skane. And number five, Canada, also making a triumphant comeback with top province, Ontario. Sorry, Egypt and Ireland, you have fallen behind, but luckily, this month is only half over. You can still make it. Anyway, that's all for today. I'll see you all Thursday for an unusual type of management opportunity. Bye bye